Take your Bibles, please, and open them up to John chapter 10 this morning. John 10. Last week, you spent some time as we were working through the Gospel of John, looking at this incredible account of this man born blind that Jesus healed and that the Pharisees had a major problem with as he confessed Jesus Christ as the Son of God. On the surface, when you leave that story, a whole chapter devoted to a healing of a blind man, and come to this chapter, if you will, talking about Jesus being the Good Shepherd, it seems like a bit of an abrupt change of gear. Now, and I'll confess to you, probably for much of my Christian life, early Christian life, before I had some tools in my tool belt to better study God's Word, you felt like, okay, we're done with that story, and now we're doing this story. And that's why they put chapter 10 right there and didn't continue chapter 9. Jesus is going to teach something clearly about the fact that He is... The Good Shepherd, it's a motif that's been used throughout much of the Bible, lots of the Old Testament and New Testament alike. But he's using it not in the image that probably comes to our mind with uh, the Christmas production up here and some cute little guys standing there with uh, some uh, shepherd's hook that we found, which is probably Grandpa's cane, right? Standing there with the cuter little infants with little puffy things on his little sheep over here to the side waving at their moms the whole time the play is going, right? That, there's the thought that comes to mind when we think about shepherds. Of course, we have a shepherd in our family, and uh, the word means gentle leader uh, when we named him, and so we thought that that would be the place, uh, that would be a great name for him because he was such a wonderful, I, I, I was starting to say childbirth, but I don't think I'm allowed to say that because I'm the dude, right? So that didn't work, so moving on. Jesus isn't really changing gears. He's going to distinguish himself as the good shepherd opposed to the false and bad shepherds that had been in charge of Israel. The next thing the Holy Spirit has John write after this incredible account of chapter 9 is that thieves and robbers destroy the sheep, but the true and good shepherd leads his own sheep. Think about this. Broken people, the Pharisees want to push out and kick out. I've got news for you. Uh, Instead of kicking broken people out, I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ says, Come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He only reaches out to broken people. The, 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 The well have no need of a physician, he would say. Unless we Christians in 2023 think more highly of ourselves than we should as it relates to us being on God's team and and God finding us and, and using us and calling us and allowing us to sign our name to the Christian role. Here's what the scripture says about us. We, we are deceived if we think that we are um, pure. In fact, the Bible refers to us as sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers. Uh, Men and women who practice homosexuality, thieves, nor greedy, drunkards, revilers, swindlers, none of those will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, the scripture says. Ephesians 2 tells us that we were dead in our trespasses and sins in which we once walked. We were following the course 
of this world, not God. We were following the prince of the power of the air, Satan himself, the spirit that now breeds disobedience in the world. We used to live with the passions of our flesh in the driver's seat of our lives, carrying out anything we wanted to do without any restriction or concern for anybody else. And we were children of wrath. That's your resume before you came to Christ. Now, if these same religious leaders were in charge today and not Jesus Christ as the good shepherd, if all we had were the shepherds that Israel had at that time, guess what? You and I would be run out of town with those kind of credentials. But the Bible continues and says, but we've been washed. We've been sanctified. We've been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. God was rich in mercy with the great love with which he loved us and has saved us by grace. Those of us who are in Christ. What an incredible God and an incredible shepherd. Wow, what a savior. Jesus is going to use the imagery of a shepherd here in three ways in this passage. He's going to talk about the fact that uh, the Pharisees were false shepherds who set out to destroy the people of God. Jesus is the true shepherd who leads to abundant life uh, and nourished uh, sheep. And Jesus is going to clearly point out the danger that the sheep are in without him. This morning, I just want you to know that Ashley and I were traveling last week and we got home late last night. And um, our plane was scheduled to land at uh, 1013 and um, it landed early, shocker, right? Something good happened at Charlotte Airport, I'm here to report. Uh, the problem is that really jacks up your Uber driver when you booked him for 10.30 to pick you up and now you're thinking, do I just sit here for an hour and wait in the sweltering heat? No, we were able to get home uh, at a decent hour last night. Uh, so the sermon today will either be six minutes or four hours, I have no clue. I'm barely standing here, just kidding, just kidding. There's a lot of sheep talk here in the Bible, and uh, I want to take you somewhere in your mind if you can. Uh, go with me. Most of what comes into our minds likely with shepherding, even with the imageries, I'm going to date some of us in here, with some of the coolest flannel graphs we've ever seen. Okay, that took us back. That still doesn't give us an accurate picture of what Palestinian shepherds were probably like. Um, Shepherding was actually a very intimate occupation in that day. The Palestinian shepherd did not drive his sheep like you drive a herd of cattle. The shepherd would actually lead his sheep from in front of the pack. And while the sheep were, some were raised for eating, for food, and obviously for sacrifices, we read that in the New Testament and Old Testament alike, most sheep were raised for their wool which means that the shepherd would be with these sheep for years and years and years. He would call each sheep by name. A Palestinian shepherd would give his flock, whatever the size, uh, a name. And he wouldn't go, uh, that's uh, Bartholomew, and that's uh, Mephibosheth, and that's, it wasn't like that. He would be like, that's uh, Black Ear, and there's Brown Nose, and there's uh, Left Hoof, and there's a waggy tail or whatever it was. It wasn't just that he knew the sheep, he knew their personalities. That's how intimate shepherding was in that day. Jesus uses this picture of this Palestinian shepherd to convey to the people around him 
That's what he is to his people. The sheep's lives depended on the shepherd 24 hours a day. Our lives depend on him, whether we readily acknowledge it or not. Do you remember in Matthew 9 when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem and he made this incredible statement? He says, when he saw the crowds in verse 36, he, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, look at it, like sheep without a shepherd. You and I read that and think, what poetry. Uh, what a great illustration that is. But when Jesus said this and the hearers heard that, they would have been struck with the tragedy of this notion. For them to think of sheep wandering around without a shepherd, it meant the death of the sheep. It meant a lost flock. There was no way sheep could survive without a shepherd. Sometimes I get asked, even by family, do you really think people, none of my family talks like that, it's just what I do, right? Do you really think people really have to go to church and be a part of the church? Jesus does. Most of the New Testament letters are to the local churches. You can't do the one anotherings without the one anothers. And Jesus said one of the most heartbreaking things to imagine is sheep without a shepherd. He makes some incredible promises here, but he does it in the way that John records this by the Holy Spirit writing the scriptures, of course. But the way that this is recorded is interesting. He's going to show some really bad examples to show the contrast between how it's supposed to be done. Jesus is the true and good shepherd. Now, I'm going to group these into three familiar texts. I was working the text. The text was working me. That's probably a better way to say it. I was... Uh, diving in and convicted and, man, just loving the Gospel of John. I've loved working it through. And as is often the case, I'll come up with something and think, I'll take my glasses off and have a moment. And I sit down and think, no, Pastor Chad, <laughs> that's pretty good what you just came up with there. That's really sharp, really nice. And then I'll open four books and people for the last 200 years have come up with the same thing or something better. So uh, you can go hunting and find these three words, but I promise you they came out of my study. I want to point you to the first truth this morning. Three things we'll navigate through and then we'll uh, be handled by the gospel because it's so clearly in the text. The first thing I'd have you write down this morning is the true and good shepherd gathers his sheep. Just take a moment and let that settle in. Not doesn't scatter. He gathers his sheep together. Think about the wonderful family gatherings you've had through the years. Uh, I love my father-in-law. One of the things he loves more than, I think, breathing is when all the family is gathered together. Doesn't matter for what. It can be hot dogs or filet mignon. Doesn't matter. Just as long as we're together. Gathering together. That's what Jesus does. That's who he is. But, but what's the juxtaposition here? The true and good shepherd gathers and the false and bad shepherds scatter. Now that's right from the text. They scatter the sheep. Think back to what we just read. Jesus is going to say some things. I'm going to ask you to actually look at your Bibles this morning. I'm going to pull out a few highlights from the text. And let's celebrate the positive aspects of what Jesus is teaching here. Uh, verse number one, if you'll look, I won't have it on the screen for you. I just want you to follow on in the, your text in your Bibles. Truly, truly, uh, the, the NIV says, very truly or truly I say, and uh, verily, verily. Um, I, I think from the King James, Ashley and I heard a speaker one time, and every time he would hit one, he'd say, verily, verily. I don't know why he says it twice. 
but it just means of a certain truth. He's driving home that impact. This is truth. This is the truth. That's what Jesus deals in, by the way, is the truth. And if he's setting him up as contrasting to the false and bad shepherds, then he's saying, you can trust me for the truth. I'm not so sure you can trust them for the truth. This is the truth. Verse 2, there's, there's one way to enter. Uh, you can deduce that by, by when he says, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. There's one way to enter. The shepherd does it the right way. Verse 3, the shepherd has full access. Look, to him the gatekeeper opens. He, he's got full access uh, to the sheepfold. Verse 3, the, the sheep know the shepherd's voice and the shepherd calls his own sheep by name. That's powerful. That's enough to get excited about their pa Palestinian shepherds. Remember, name their sheep based on characteristics. It's not just that Jesus knows your name like you're, you're at some kind of a social gathering of some kind. And you slap the name badge on and he goes like, uh, uh, Jeremy. It's Jeremy. Great. Great to see you, Jeremy. It's that he knows everything about Jeremy, all the things that makes him tick. He knows everything about Katie and all the things that make her Tick. He knows us intimately. Verse 3, you see, as we look back in the verse, it said he hears his voice. He calls them by name and he leads them. He leads his sheep. He leads them individually and together as a group. And he's leading them to a place of nourishment. That's what the pasture represents in the text. He's concerned for all of them. Verse 4, when he's brought them all out, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. The shepherd is concerned. He leads from the front. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They know him. The shepherd knows and is known. And remember, this is no ordinary shepherd. This is Jesus Christ. Son of God, Son of Man, the true and good shepherd. This is the same God that David wrote about in Psalm 139 when he said, My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. Jesus knew us before we knew ourselves. He knows us and he loves us. Now, before we navigate away from this first point too quickly, I said the true and good shepherd gathers. And by implication and explicit description in the text this morning, false and bad shepherds scatter. Look at verse one again. It says, he who does not enter by the sheepfold, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. I, I would tell you, look at how they're climbing in and Jesus came in the right way. I, I don't want to belabor this point or make a point out of something that's not there, but can I tell you something that struck me as I meditated on this? Um, we're we're going to see as this picture lays out, Jesus just keeps getting lower and lower, closer to the earth. You'll see that play out in just a few minutes. It's interesting to me that the picture of the bad guys in the text are those climbing the ladder, climbing higher and higher for self-advancement, trying to do it their own way and go around Christ's way. These are folks who are doing the opposite of humility. They come in another way. They've got a better way. They're consumed with greed. They will steal and humiliate in order to profit. Verse 4 uh, if you look at what it says in verse 4, when, when he's brought out all of his sheep on his own, he goes before them, 
The sheep follow him and they know his voice. Verse 5, a stranger they will not follow. He's equating these folks that are in shepherds' clothing as strangers. They, they cannot really lead the sheep toward nourishment because they're not even really sheep themselves. True sheep do not respond to a stranger's voice. The sheep will flee from a stranger. Sometimes travelers in the Middle East will uh, have been known to pay a shepherd for this experience. They will put on all of that shepherd's clothing. I guess not all of it because that would be awkward. So at least the outer garments, right? So they smell like him. They'll try to understand how he talks. They'll, they'll listen and try to mimic his voice. And they will try to call the sheep. And every parent can relate to what I'm about to say. And it's as if they don't even exist, right? They're going, brown ear, brown ear, whatever they're calling the sheep. I don't know the Hebrew for that. but Brown ear, brown ear, brown ear. And the sheep, I would imagine, would do like some of us have done at some point in life. Maybe look up and you think, oh, he hears me. And he goes, and then right back down to doing what he's doing. They won't respond. They only obey the voice of the shepherd they know. Even though sheep are not even in the top thousand of smart animals. Y'all know this, right? Like Jesus calls us sheep. And we think of those fluffy little white things and we, get little, we go to little Christian bookstores and get little cute cheap things and Jesus is going, oh, oh. <laughs> Maybe study on what sheep are. It's like uh, the Christian comedian talks about us putting Noah's Ark in our baby's crib and everything and pictures of the Ark and animals and when the kids all up, and this is when God destroyed the earth. <laughs> go to sleep, little one. are not known for being intelligent creatures, but they're smart enough to know the voice of their shepherd. I hear the Lord pointing us to the fact that the Pharisees that rejected him are not acting in the people's best interest. They're acting in their own. They're kicking this guy out of chapter 9 because he's confessing Christ. They'll have nothing to do with him. There's a caution that reaches into our modern day here, not just for those who have a title in the church room. Here's the caution. It's to all of us. Do you know the voice of the Lord? Do you know God's voice? Is he the shepherd of your soul? If so, I want to tell you something. I believe based on the authority of the text this morning, you and I will have this incredible sensation to run when there's another voice trying to tell us to do something that would rob God of glory. Strangers want to lead us away from glorifying God. I'm thinking of back in elementary school when we learned stranger danger, stranger danger, right? You'd yell, stranger, stranger, and run away. I'm thinking of Joseph running from Potiphar's wife to, to flee, even the hint of that immoral moment. I'm thinking of us and how comfortable we are taking in by the gallon the poison that the world would pour our way. God help us to have the courage to say, Nope, when something's trying to pull us away from Christ and the authority of his word. There's a distinction here to those who lead God's people. Unfortunately, the Catholic church is not the only church riddled with leadership issues at the local level. Churches, Protestant alike, have had very, very, very bad examples 
of shepherds, false and bad shepherds who may have had a title. They may have climbed some kind of ladder to get that title, but they have behaved, they have led, and they have acted in a way that proved that they viewed sheep as a means to an end and not fellow image bearers that they would lay their lives down for. I want you to just beside of this little text here, make a little note in your margin, write Ezekiel 34. I'll come back to that in just a moment. The text is very straightforward here. Nobody's word trumps God's word. God leads us by his word. We follow God's direction. We will not follow the course of this world or pop culture that conflicts with the beauty of the creative order and the supremacy and the sufficiency of Christ. Let God be true and everybody else be a liar. We're going to go with Jesus. Amen? He's our shepherd. And he's the truth. Well, the true and good shepherd not only gathers his sheep, number two this morning, he guards his sheep. He guards his sheep. Not too long ago when uh, Brother Kevin, uh, shortly after he was first here, uh, came to me and asked that police officer and police training kicked in and, and we have several in here that have been well trained. And he, he pulled me over to the side and he, he did this face and I could tell by his appearance and he kind of covered his mouth a little bit like this. I think I, I, thought, I, think I know what's coming. He's like, uh, talk to me about your security program here. What's, what's, what's going on in here for safety? And of course, I wouldn't say much from the pulpit here, but just to say we, we, have, um, we have those in, in place that are ready to guard the flock. And I'm so thankful for that. We do. We've got eyes open on all parts of the property, and we're grateful for that. I'm so thankful for that. Jesus, the good shepherd, guards his sheep, but watch this, false and bad shepherds expose the sheep. Expose the sheep. Look with me at verses 7 through 10. He says, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Can I put a pin in that for a minute? Many of you have that verse memorized and now you're beginning to see the context. The thief here is not a picture immediately of Satan. The thief here is a picture immediately, watch this, of bad shepherds who want to fleece the flock for their benefit. I am the good shepherd, verse 11. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Verse 12, he's a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, he says. It's worth noting here that although Jesus is no hireling and doesn't flee in the face of danger, watch this, he didn't know when to withdraw himself. We see it all throughout the New Testament narrative. He didn't know when to pull back and to be rested and refreshed. He didn't know when to go and pray. He went a little further, the scripture says, time and time again and, and pray. Listen, every hill was not a hill to die on for Jesus, but Calvary was. Calvary was. Jesus was not concerned of us Americans reading this Bible and going, you know, I wish he'd have stuck up for himself right there. 
That'd have been a good place for Jesus to say, I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to drop my hammer right here and get her done, right? He just didn't do it. He wasn't interested in us clicking like or sharing some huge moment for him. He knew exactly what he was doing, and he was the true and good shepherd. He mentions here that he is the door and not just a professional religious ruler. A friend of mine, uh, the voice echoed as I read through the text multiple times over the last month. I remember sitting in many a ministry leadership team gathering and this, this brother in Christ saying time and time again, listen, listen, Jesus didn't call us to sit around the table like a bunch of religious bureaucrats. Let's get on our knees. Let's serve the people. I love that. Jesus mentions here that he's the door. What in the world is he talking about when he says he's the door? Um, a friend of uh, George Campbell Morgan shared this, and I think it illustrates it best. He was recording some of uh, G. Campbell Morgan's experiences and travels, and he was one day traveling with a guide and came across a shepherd and a sheep, and he fell into a deep conversation with him. And this man showed him the fold into which the sheep were led at night. It consisted of four walls and a way in. And so Sir George said, that's where they go at night? The shepherd said, yes, that's where they go. And when they're there, they're perfectly safe. And George asked the question, but, but there's no door. How can they be safe? And the shepherd said, I am the door. Now, the shepherd was not a Christian. He was not quoting scripture. He had no thought of the New Testament language here when he said that this was just the Palestinian shepherd culture. He was speaking from an Arab's standpoint. George says, what do you mean you are the door? Can't you hear any kid going like, I'm sorry, what? What are you saying? You're the door? And the shepherd said, when the light has gone and all the sheep are inside, I lie in the open space and no sheep ever goes out but across my body. And no wolf comes in unless he crosses my body. I am the door. You might get all the feels on that like I did when I read that account. That's pretty awesome. But our true and good shepherd, the king of glory, the captain of the armies of the host of heaven is our door. He's got us. That ought to empower us to live with a little more courage than many of us are able to muster up ourselves. God never asks you to muster up courage on yourself. He asks you to get in the word so the word can get into you and you go shine bright for Jesus. Be courageous because he is our guard. He promises to guard and protect his sheep from those who desire to hurt his sheep. Remember what just happened. The religious crowd had just kicked this guy out because he confessed his faith in Jesus. And Jesus reminds us, that's what the professionals do. I'm the good shepherd. I'm here to gather and nourish and protect. What a shepherd. What a shepherd. The Pharisees had a long history, and so did the false teachers of Israel, a long history of setting the sheep aside, endangering their lives. But Jesus lovingly gathers them and guards them from all danger. He is calling out the wicked shepherds and the hirelings, the professionals who will cut bait and run at the first sign of danger. Our true and good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, gathers the sheep, his 
sheep, by the way, that's a whole other theological dimension I won't get to this morning, but his sheep, they're already his. He gathers his sheep that the Father has given him and, and nothing can get to them unless it passes through him first. You ought, to take, you ought to be able to charge hell with a water pistol when you leave here today. I'm telling you, that ought to put a pep in your step. While false and bad shepherds only look out for themselves and their initiatives, the true and good shepherd, third point this morning, final point, gives his life for the sheep. Wow. It's right there in front of us. In fact, I wonder if you could read verse 11 with me out loud. Chapter 10, verse 11. Let's read it together. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Let me read to you the rest of this passage. Uh, I, I mentioned in the notes, it picks up in 15, but you know me, I can't start in the middle of a sentence, so I'm going to start in 14. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice so there'll be one flock. One shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Wow. The, Father, uh, the Bible rather makes frequent usage of this shepherding motif. Think back with me in the Old Testament. Abraham. Shepherd, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David. As national leaders, Moses and David were referred to as shepherds of the nation of Israel. But these were all flawed men, some of them very flawed men. We're not talking about any shepherd laying down any life. We're talking about the good shepherd. Leon Morris writes, a good shepherd does not characteristically give his life for the sheep. The good shepherd does. You know why? Because in these times, if the shepherd died, it meant disaster for the sheep. When normal shepherds died, it means disasters for the sheep. When the good shepherd lays down his life, it means life for the sheep. When Jesus lays down his life for us, he's not doing this to simply serve as some kind of example of martyrdom or some high uh, value of love. I've got to be careful in the way I say that because it is the greatest act of love. But Jesus isn't trying to make a point about love here in this motif, staying with this shepherd ideology here. Watch this now. The shepherd would never do that, would never risk his life unless the sheep were in mortal Danger. What's going on with that? The only hope for the sheep's defense is that their shepherd puts himself in harm's way on their behalf. In so doing this, his life is lost. And the shepherd's loss of life in defense of the sheep, because he's our true and good shepherd, it means life for the sheep. Jesus, our true and good shepherd. Jesus, the lover of our souls. Jesus, the savior of our lives. Jesus, the only hope that we have to escape the danger that awaits all those who reject God. Jesus is the true and good shepherd who saves by his own life. Let the church say amen. 
and he knows you by name. He knows everything about you and still laid down your life. He's seen you on your worst days. He's seen you on your best days when the Bible says your righteousness was still like filthy rags to offer God. He knows us personally. He's a personal shepherd. He gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of the Father. He loved us and gave himself up without blemish to God for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Hear me carefully this morning in case you haven't heard it recently and in case today is the day that you might say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Son of God and Son of Man was sent into this world to be born of a virgin that he might be sinless, that he might be born under the law to keep the very law that you and I break day in and day out. He perfectly met all the requirements of God's law and is ready to give his righteousness to us so that we could stand holy before God, forgiven before God. This Jesus, showing that he is the true and good shepherd, went to the cross to lay down his life. He was lifted up to die. The sins of everyone who would believe in him were transferred to him while he was on that cross. This perfect, true, and good shepherd who knew no sin, God made to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. The great exchange of the cross is this, the worst of us was laid on him so that the best of him could be laid upon us. And he did it through the shed blood of the cross as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This true and good shepherd makes it clear that there is no other way to have a relationship with an infinitely holy God except through the blood of Jesus Christ. And it was his sin-bearing, substitutionary sacrifice that reconciled us to this God who describes himself not as powerful, powerful, powerful. Not as love, love, love. Not as peace, peace, peace. But our God, the song of heaven is describing him as holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The only chance that you and I have to stand within a billion light years of the presence of God, this holy God, is that we are covered by the blood of the true and good shepherd. Dear friend, the danger that you and I are facing today is not a bad day on the job. It's not a bad email that tanks us or a friend dropping us on some social media platform. It's not trouble. It's not depression. It's not heartbreak. It's not financial ruin. It's not a, any of those things. The danger that you and I face today is from ourselves. Our own selfish bent puts us on a path towards self-destruction. But that danger pales in comparison to the greatest danger. And you think it's the devil. It's not. The greatest danger that you and I face today is that we would stand before God himself without the blood of Jesus applied to our lives. We can't do it. There's no way we could do it. The wrath of God would be poured out on those who reject the offer of grace through the Lord Jesus Christ. It is eternal peril for us to trample underfoot the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the only true and good shepherd. Hell will not be hot enough for those who would reject this loving God. To hear this truth and to reject Jesus Christ
who suffered, bled, and died on Calvary's cross for your sin and mine. If you refuse the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible makes it clear, your blood is on your hands. You'll be among the tormented, the damned, the scripture says, for all eternity, and you will never find relief for your soul. But I've got news for you. That's not where the story ends. Just like he died on the cross, he rose on the third day. And just like you and I are headed for destruction, the shepherd, the true and good shepherd, has made a way for us to turn toward life. He rose again. The writer, the preacher in Hebrews refers to him as the great shepherd, and he's actively working for us now. The, the scripture says, now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of his eternal covenant, equip us, equip you, sheep, with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And soon, one day, the true and good shepherd will return as the chief shepherd, First Peter says. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This is not a passage on good pastors versus bad pastors. This is a passage on false shepherds versus Jesus Christ, the only true and good shepherd. A biblical church is Jesus ruled first. We respond to him. There's no shepherd like our high shepherd. A biblical church leans into that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He gives us life while those who are not shepherding for his glory only look out for themselves. As Julia comes to the instrument this morning, I want to invite us to respond and reflect in a moment. I mentioned Ezekiel 34 to you a moment ago. And there's a lot of strong warnings there. In fact, for any of you young men who might feel the call to ministry, it's a great uh, sifting to read through some of that to feel the weight of how seriously God takes shepherding the flock. But there's some good news in Ezekiel 34. It's not all warning. The Lord says, he says these things about himself in Ezekiel 34. He says, I will rescue my flock. Hallelujah. I'll bring them out from the nations, praise God. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend to my sheep. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. I will shepherd the flock with justice. This is our true and good shepherd. And he longs for you to know him by name. Francis Schaeffer in How Should We Then Live wrote about humanism. He said, it's taken that 23rd Psalm that we opened with and rewritten. And here's where it started. It said, first, they began, I am my shepherd. I'm in charge. And then that didn't satisfy it. The second thing they said was, sheep are my shepherd. I'll lean to the voices of others. And then humanism, not satisfied with that, said, everything is my shepherd. And then came, nothing is my shepherd there's a death wish, Francis Schaeffer writes, inherent in humanism. That's not what we subscribe to, though. Here's what we know. The Lord is my shepherd. Not just any shepherd. The true and good shepherd. 
who gathers us, who guards us, who gave his life for us. This is what true and good shepherds do when we follow Jesus. Do you know him? You can if you don't. You can know him today. Cast yourself on him this morning. Repent of your sins. Put your faith and trust in the only one qualified to be your shepherd. Let's pray. the gospel was clear this morning to those who are outside of the flock, but I'm thinking about how I've had to reflect in this passage myself over the past few weeks. I pray that I'd be so in tune to your voice, Lord, that I would reject voices that are not yours. Lord, I'd like an allergic reaction. I'd have a holy nope and remove myself from that influence, God. I pray the same for this congregation. Father, we want to be on mission for you. Lord, we want to live our lives in such a way that folks see you in us. And not just because we go somewhere and do something on a Sunday morning, but because we are being led by the true and good shepherd. You are our shepherd. We shall not want. In Jesus' name, amen.